You're listening to the Real Estate Investing Podcast with Dante Belmonte, here to help you start or continue your journey in real estate. Each episode, we bring you a different expert real estate investor who will share the secrets to their success so you can learn and benefit from their experience. Let's jump right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Real Estate Investing Podcast. I'm your host, Dante Belmonte. Today with us, we have Ashley Kerr. Ashley, would you like to introduce yourself? Hi, yes, thank you for having me. Um, of course. My name is Ashley Kerr, and I am a buy and hold investor um, from Buffalo, New York. I focus mostly on uh, duplexes. I have a couple, uh, a triplex, a quad, and a single family. And I'm looking to get into maybe house flipping um, or retail business and see what other streams of income I can, I can get. <laughs> okay, awesome. So how did you get started in the world of real estate investing? I actually uh, quit my job working at an accounting firm and was going to be a stay-at-home mom when um, growing up my, my friend, her dad, um, he owned a bunch of businesses and so after I'd quit my job, he said, I need to have someone keep me organized and I have these, this apartment complex I need managed. So I agreed to do it and it was just part time. And from there I built a property management company for him and learned property management. And then him and his son, um, or my, his son and myself, we actually purchased our first investment property together. Uh, he was the money guy and I was the experience. Awesome. So it's kind of cool to see you had experience right off from the get-go. Um, when you started investing, you didn't just go and kind of blind. Like a lot of people like, oh yeah, real estate investing. I want to get started with it. I want to go. Um, you had that experience with it. So that's cool. Um, how was that experience managing properties when you first got started before doing it yourself, but doing it for someone else? How was that experience? I think it was a great learning experience because I was literally thrown into this little tiny office with cardboard boxes and said, okay, you're managing this property and I had to get, there was not even a phone number for people to call me. Um, oh, so I had to get a, a phone hooked up. I had to organize the files. The last person that did it, they did everything by hand. And it was literally uh, like a spreadsheet where they just put a check mark if the person paid or not. Well, mm. it's a lot more complicated than that. Sometimes people make partial payments. Sometimes they have a that fee they want to add on and you know right and you got to keep track of who's late who's current who's partial yeah. you know there, there's yeah. a lot um, so, okay. um eventually I, I built a property management company and we converted all of the paper files to software huge time saver using oh i'm sure yeah so you i mean you had a head start right from the get-go when you started with this investing so that must have made it a lot easier for yourself because you kind of knew what to expect for the most part and yeah go about it so that's pretty cool your investment strategy, you said you're a buy and hold investor. So talk to us a little bit more about your strategy, about what some of your uh, properties or projects look like. Okay, sure. So I tried to buy um, properties using as little of my own money as I can. So it's kind of the Burr strategy, I guess, um, buy, rehab, rent, refinance, repeat. And um I, first I started out with a money partner, so he would put in the cash, but now um, neither of us are really putting in any cash and I've taken on other partners. So what I do is I try to look for a, a house that um, is, I can buy it for below its actual value. So it's right below, below market, market value. value. And then I'm even putting in, um, you know, maybe some updates like vinyl plank flooring or fresh paint, paint the cabinets or something. 
doing cosmetic updates to really increase that value. And my goal is to, after I purchase it, to refinance and be able to cover what I put into it. And right, then I pull out all that money. Mortgage payments from there. So right now I have a line of credit um, with a local bank and I use that to purchase. And then once I fix up the property a little bit, raise the rents, maybe I um, refinance with a, a long-term loan and pay off my line of credit and then look for the next property. Awesome. I mean, that's a great strategy because, you know, like you said, using that burst strategy, you're pulling out that uh, essentially the equity in the property. And sometimes I'm sure you're in it for nothing or very little of, of your own money, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. Um, do you ever buy any turnkey properties? Did you start buying turnkey properties or is it all typically value add? I bought one turnkey um, property and it was uh, in South Buffalo and which has become a super hot market right now. You can barely touch it, but right. um, that was the only one that I bought turnkey and I purchased that for 143000 and I put 20% down. So that is the only property that I've actually done, you know, the conventional way and got a conventional right. loan, 20% down. And I, I haven't refied, even though I know that the value of that has definitely gone up and um, I've increased the rents and, but that that's the only property I bought turnkey. So when, the way you're talking about this property, it sounds like you've had it for a few years is what it sounds like. Does it like hurt that you have 20% in it and you bought it turnkey? Like now that you've like learned that value add is kind of like the way to go. Not really, because I am still, I'm getting such great cash flow that okay, so you're and really like that money is just, it's gone. It's out of sight, out of mind. <laughs> right, right. And um, so I, I think that I, I would be more open to doing deals like that where I just put some money down and it's less work, less headache trying to refinance um, as I go along. But um, we'll see. Right. So you kind of typically cash flow from day one just about. So it's a lot easier project. Yeah. If yeah. you got a lot of rehabs or value add properties going on, it's kind of nice to have one of those every once in a while, just bring in some steady cash flow. I know you said you have a line of credit that you're using, which is a great way to do it because I'm sure the interest isn't as high as it would be with hard money or private money. Um, yeah. With that said, are you using any private money, hard money with these projects or are you using all of really your own funds or your own creative ways of financing? Yeah, I've used uh, private money before, um, but um, actually one property I have now has um, private money holding the mortgage, but it's only at 5.5% and it's amortized wow. over 30 years, um, but callable in five if he chooses to. Um, okay, that's so, a pretty sweet deal. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For private lending at five and a half percent, where'd you find this person? Yeah. Can you forward their info? <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, and then on my, I have a commercial mortgage line of credit. So a property that I own free and clear um, we got a commercial mortgage on it, but it acts like a line of credit. So I pay interest only payments and I can pull on, off it and pay it back as I need. And that I believe right now is at 6.25%. That's a variable rate. Right. I mean, and that's still a really good rate compared to yeah. what hard money, private money lenders are doing right. right now. For your portfolio, do you have some properties in your own personal name, all in the business entity name, or how does that mixture look? That's a great question because a lot of people <laughs> get stuck on that as to what they right. should do. Should they, you know, put in their personal name or create an LLC? And I feel like that is kind of an analysis paralysis or something. Exactly. Um, I have some in my personal name and I did that to get um, 30 year fixed rate financing. Yep. 
And then I have um, any property I have with a partner, um, I have an LLC for that partner. So if partner A, I have three properties with, they're all in that one LLC. Partner totally B, makes sense. properties with, they're in you know that LLC. So I okay. keep it separate like that. Yeah, I I think it's really cool. And again, it's it's something that everyone's always wondering about which way to go. So like the first property I bought, I did, it was in my own name and I was only 21. So it was got my mortgage on it. I was good to go. That same year, because I was only 21, I couldn't pull out another mortgage in my own personal name because the bank wouldn't lend a 21 year old kid more than, you know, $150,000. So what I did was I made an LLC and I did a commercial loan. I let the property stand by itself as a a business Mm -hmm. and I was able to pull out a commercial loan. So I kind of was, I was trying to scoot around and find a way, which pushed me over to doing an LLC, which is great for, you know, liability and for the commercial. And it's kind of nice with the commercial mortgages because if you have a few commercial lenders or credit unions, local banks, you can kind of work them against each other and, you know, just just throw them the purchase contract says, who wants to get it? (laughs) And the commercial loans are so much easier to do. They are. I mean, yeah, you're not getting that long-term fixed rate and you Mm -hmm. might not be getting the best rate as you would, but um, I, I love the commercial lenders that I have worked with. It's, I definitely feel like it's easier. Like for the first one with an LLC, it's a little harder because they do like a UCC search. They, you know, they check yeah. a lot of things for the business. But at the same time, I had one client because I'm an agent as well from Australia. And there's oh, wow. three guys from Australia and they never, I never even met them. They never even went to the property and they ended up purchasing it and they were doing 20% down on conventional. And so we go to close and the funds came in from all three of the guys together and it was in one of their names. But because it wasn't that one, one person's funds that was in his name oh, we can close yeah. we had to wait till this guy got paychecks every week to bring the 20 percent <laughs> to the table yeah so we learned that really quick that we're right. gonna go the llc route because it doesn't matter where the right. money comes yeah. in yeah yeah your grandmother could write you a check for it you could win the lottery and put it in i mean you could have three people putting in their money so that's the way i learned of the funding with the conventional it's such a pain in the butt or if it's in a yeah. personal name with commercial lending it's it's very it sounds complicated. People hear the word commercial and they get really nervous. They get really scared. I, I think it's it's fairly easy. Yeah, I agree. It's it's so much easier <laughs> than yeah, so. dealing with the residential side. Mm-hmm. And now that I've built up a portfolio, they kind of kick me out of the residential side. I still try every once in exactly. a while to residential loan, but like you have too much stuff going on. Go to commercial. <laughs> right. Exactly. I mean, and commercial rates aren't always terrible. Like I'm at. A point higher on a commercial mortgage right now for one of my properties than I am with one that was in my personal name. Yeah. So it's it's not terrible if, if you're starting. You can uh, you can do fairly well. So talk to me about how your portfolio looks. I mean, I know you said some singles, some duplexes. Tell me a little bit more, a little more in depth of what you have going yeah. on. Yeah. So I started out with duplexes, and then um, my husband and I in 2016 we built our house. So um, the house we lived in, um, we own free and clear. So we um, rented that out, and that's our only <laughs> single family. Um, and then I have a triplex, and then I recently bought a quad, which it has um, two residential units upstairs, and then two commercial downstairs. And I'm remodeling the whole building. It's like my first gut job. <laughs> oh, I've been watching the project. It's pretty cool. Yeah. You got kids running around, you got contractors running <laughs> <Yeah>. around. <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, it's been a great learning experience. Um, so as of February 1st, I gave up property management. I no longer work for the investor doing his property management. I'm working for him 
doing special projects and still managing his money, stuff like that. But um, I freed up a lot of time uh, with not doing property management for him or myself anymore. So I'm really going to focus this year on learning how to rehab so that uh, when I do hire contractors and stuff, I, I, I know what they're doing and how they should be doing it. Right. And you're um, getting uh, proper bids. You're not getting, you know, overbidded for a project that right, you just don't right. know about. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I took on a partner, um, for this deal and he's been putting in tons of sweat equity, but he's been teaching me so I can lay down vinyl plank flooring now. There you <laughs> Tomorrow go. Tomorrow I'm going to be cutting trim. <laughs> it's little by little you're learning and you know, yeah. with every property, each property, we always take something away or learn something new from right, each. So right. exactly. that's yeah. always fun. Um, I love following you on Instagram because you have a very active Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love seeing all the projects you're always posting kind of tips and tricks. You, your name on Instagram is wealth from rentals. I mean, I think that's pretty cool. I, I'm surprised <laughs> that wasn't you. taken to be really honest. Um, <laughs> what about for you? Like when you're looking at cash on cash cap rate, stuff like that, what are you looking at as far as for numbers go with all of that? So I'm my cash on cash return is great just because I'm not using really any of my own cash. Um, right. I'm breaking the 2% rule. Um, I look for 150 to $200 cash flow per a unit. So for like a duplex, I expect, you know, $400 cash flow after I'm, um, you know, with no money in the deal. That okay. is. So, um, and one thing that's important too is like, yes, I'm not using my own money to buy these deals, but I am adding so much value that there is equity still 20% equity in the building. So it's not like this building is worth a hundred thousand and I'm mortgaging it for a hundred thousand. I, mean, okay. I definitely don't want to be 100% leveraged. I don't recommend that to anyone. So right. I just want to make that clear. Like I'm putting enough value or I'm buying them so undervalued that, um, you know, that when I put that mortgage on for my purchase price and maybe some rehab expenses that I am still below that 75%. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's huge buying under value. I think that's huge. Cause that's, again, you, you hear it all the time. You make your money when you buy. Cause that's very important. That's yeah. very true. Um, and even the over leveraged part, because we're at such a, a peaking market. I feel like this market's so hot right now. There's so much going on. Um, I do feel like there's going to be some form of correction or, or something just coming where those people who are super over leveraged or a hundred percent leveraged, which I don't even know how sometimes people get hundred percent leverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talk to me about this insurance gig you got going on here. This is the first I've kind of heard about this. So the investor that I work for, he wanted to start an insurance company. He's actually been licensed for like 20 years, um, but never really did anything with it. So he decided, let's start an insurance agency. And um, I went and got my insurance license. He paid for it. And um, within probably eight months after I got my license, we had a running um, insurance agency. And he actually took on a partner who had who already owned an agency in the same town. So it benefited this guy becoming our partner because you know, we would no longer be competition. <laughs> so, okay. That's pretty cool. It was a, a really great learning experience being able to build that business and, you know, from the ground up. But, um, so what I did was I was able to write all of the properties that, um, this investor owned. So, I mean, there's, you know, two 40 unit apartment complex, um, auto dealerships. So they were big policies, um, that I was able to write them. And then I did all of my own rental properties. So 
those commission checks were great. <laughs> you know, the <laughs> that is nice. The, the agency would get, um, usually it depended on the policy, but usually around 20% of the premium. Um, and then I would get, um, 60% of that. Okay. So, um, the first year was great. And now on renewals, um, I'm getting 10% renewal. So it's kind of, um, a different way to maybe get your, you know, get started with real estate and learning about it. Because yep. when you are writing those policies, you're learning the values of homes in the areas or values of rental properties. And you're learning, um, you know, what does the insurance look for? Like, will they accept this kind of plumbing? Um, you know, do they want, um, you know, your tenants to have renter's insurance and, it, it really right, that's important was, to think about that part yeah it was very interesting to see like the insurance side of things plus now that i've written everything i'm getting the renewal income where as a realtor yes you're selling that house you get that big commission check but then there's nothing else coming in right it's one check I like it's, it's it and not that there's no work at renewal like yes you still have to review the policies and stuff but mm -hmm. um I, I do like that cash flow every year. Yeah, that is nice. Day. So you're like cash flowing a, a whole nother way. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, how much does it cost to get started with something like that? Um, you know what? I don't really, I don't remember offhand, but I, I don't think it was more than a thousand dollars. I'd say it's very affordable. less than that to um, actually take the course, but the course was uh, three weeks long, um, you know, Monday through Thursday from 8 a.m. To, to 5 p.m. And then okay. you have two exams you have to take. And, um, but there was several people in my class who also were sponsored by an insurance agent who wanted them to work for them and they were also paying for it. So I believe it would be easy to find, you know, a broker that would pay for you to get your license. Right. I mean, that's pretty cool. Cause when we talk about investing, you listen to other podcasts, you never hear or read about anyone that, you know, broke or insures their own properties basically yeah, as yeah. their own insurance agents. So that's cool. And you get, you get cash flow from that every year. Um, I'm sure there's like fees to hold the license every year, but if you're writing policies on enough properties, it makes right. Up for and a, a lot of times that. a broker will will pay that for you, which mine does. Um, okay. Yeah, so it works out really nice. Um, so if, if anyone has the opportunity to get their license, I would I would recommend it. And um, since I'm only a part time agent, I will only write uh, rental properties and some commercial, um, I'll do commercial rentals, but like some commercial businesses I will do. And just because I'm not in the day to day grind of insurance, I don't feel comfortable doing the auto, the home where it's just so specific. So right. I myself up to date on what that you specific know. niche. Yeah. That is, that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, again, I mean, that's, that's a very creative way to finance it, especially yeah. if you have more <laughs> properties, you start to scale faster. You just see that income there start to increase, which is awesome. How are you finding your deals right now or overall over past the through the past years? How are you finding your deals? So the majority has either been on the MLS or uh, word of mouth. Um, I've never done any direct mailing or anything like that, but um, the biggest where I've got the best deals was word of mouth where people knew that I bought rental properties and they would, um, you know, approach me say, Hey, uh, either right. I have this for sale or, you know, I know, this I know someone yeah. selling this. Yeah. So that's really been the great, the best deals and it's benefited that person because they don't even have to bother listing the property. Yeah. And I mean, you don't have to compete either. It, yeah. That That's yeah. the nice part about like off market properties is you really don't have to compete, especially in such a hot market. There's right. a lot of competition. If, yeah. if it's a good yeah. property, if it's priced 
semi-appropriate, it's going to mm-hmm. go quick and for multiple offers. And sometimes it's, it gets raised so high up that it's not a deal anymore. Right. <laughs> so that can be an issue. Um, so do you have like an agent that sends you deals or uh, does he have you signed up for something or he or she, I should say, signed up for something? How does that look? Yeah, I actually have three agents I'm working with. Um, one um, is in like the city of Buffalo, um, you know, a couple area codes that I'm specific with her. And then another one is the more rural areas where actually most of my properties are. And I'm trying to find a flip right now with a partner. And um, we're working that with that realtor in the rural areas. And then I also have a commercial realtor who will send me, you know, big um, apartment complexes and, you know, bigger, you know, commercial deals. Right. Larger projects. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty cool. You're like realtor pimped out right now. I mean, most people have like one (laughs) agent that they're working with, but you've got like three working for you, finding deals in all different areas. That's, that's pretty sweet. Does it ever, do you ever have any conflict like with the the agents saying like, well, no, I want to do this deal for you or they really. No, because I tell, uh, I've told them up front, like the newest agent, the one that's doing the rural areas for him. Like I told him, like I've signed a contract with the commercial broker already, like the full disclosure and I wrote that right. on the contract but um yeah there hasn't been any conflicts yet so well that's also good that you're upfront and honest about it I mean some yeah. people are like oh yeah I've got like five agents working behind the doors <laughs> for me you know doing my deals and none of them know about each other right. <laughs> um so are you, is that's all in the Buffalo area do you primarily invest in the Buffalo or surrounding Buffalo area or do you have any properties outside um of that area you just really invest in your backyard yeah, just so far right here, but 2020 is my year to do um, out-of-state investing. Um, I've been, my brother, he lives in North Carolina. He, um, I've been really bugging him to let's buy a property down there. He <laughs> run and um, I'm like, let's just, let's find a duplex or even a single family and you can house hack rent out the rooms. Uh, so I'm looking there. And then um, actually on Instagram today, I had a wholesaler from Cleveland, Ohio, reach out to me saying, you know, he'd send deals my way. And my one partner, he actually went to college in Cleveland. So I know he would be so excited (laughs) to invest there. And um, so we'll see. But yeah, I definitely want to invest out of state because my only thing with um, New York is how the landlord laws have changed and not Mm -hmm. in the landlord's favor and property taxes. So yes, yeah. like I may be buying properties for, you know, 20, 40,000, but I'm also paying like $2,500 in property taxes on, you know, those low dollar properties. Yeah. I mean, that's what people don't understand. Like when they hear right. about our properties, like they're super cheap. They're like, oh, wow, that's great. It's like, yeah, but we make up for it like tenfold in taxes. Like, let right. me tell you. And I'm getting to the point where I would rather go out of state, maybe, you know, but pay a hundred thousand and you know, a thousand dollars in taxes. But once that hundred thousand is paid off, that's a hundred thousand dollars in equity I have in that house. Mm-hmm. And I'm only paying that thousand dollars for a year. Or if I pay off that twenty thousand dollar property, I still have that twenty five hundred dollar payment. <laughs> every right. Month. It's it's re it's reoccurring every year, yeah. the, the property taxes. Right. Have. And it's not adding any value to my net worth paying. Correct. It's not going it's not paying yeah. anything down. It's not, right. you know, going towards equity in a property. So that can definitely be an issue. So that's what, what always surprises me. Like there's a lot of out of state, out of the area investors. Yeah. But it's just, it's very odd that they come here. I wonder, 
you know, what they see the property taxes, it doesn't phase them. Maybe because the houses are cheap, so cheap. They're like, all right, let's do right. it. You know? <laughs> um, yeah. I would just did a video with, um, the best deal ever, um, winter bigger pockets video series. And you know, my, the property I had purchased it for, um, 35,000, I think. And you know, he's like, what's your cash flow? I'm like about $400. And he's like, what? And you know, my rent was 1200 and he's like, I can't believe that. And I, I'm like, property taxes. It yeah. Yeah. Like, that eats up half of it. Way hired. I'm like, no, I'm, I'm sorry. I hope this doesn't disappoint the best deal ever. But. Right. Yeah. But, but for us, this is the best deal ever <laughs> right, in this area, right. <laughs> especially if you get in like villages and you have to pay like village taxes that yeah, like it's even yeah. higher. Like I have, I have one property that is right on the edge and it, and it, it's in the village and it's just yeah. like killing me. It's like $1,400 more a year. Right. It's like, if we could just pick up the house and move it like one block that way, we'd, know, we'd be set. Like you need a house better. that still gets the village water and sewer, but not the village tag. I've exactly. seen a couple of those before. They do exist, but hard to find. <laughs> it, it definitely is. I, and like, are you also looking to invest out of state um, just to kind of diversify the portfolio a little bit? So maybe if like one market gets hit, you, you kind of set over here. Is that, kind of the aspect. Of yeah. That. I mean, that's not a huge priority to me, but, um, yeah, definitely something I think about. And I'd also, I want to get comfortable with out of state investing so that, um, you know, once I bought one or two properties out of state, um, I can find a vacation area and I'd really okay. like to buy a, a duplex and, you know, use one side for myself, maybe right. Airbnb it, and then have a long-term tenant in the other side. Yeah. I mean, that's perfect. You can short-term Airbnb it. You can block off right. those dates that you want to go there. My, uh, yeah. my fiance and I, we always talk about it, like looking at places just to do that as well. Cause it'd be great. Right. I mean, yeah. and in, I'm sure you've read it, uh, tax-free wealth. Mm -hmm. um, I just finished it probably a month ago. Yeah. That was a great, Oh, there book. you go. Yeah, yeah. Where he's, he's talking about, uh, you know, invest where you want to travel because you can yep. write it off and there's so many benefits off, yeah. and you can really vacation for, for almost free for the most part. Right. Right. Yeah. And you just said you're talking about Airbnb. Do you have any Airbnbs right now? Or are they all long-term rentals for you? I do. Um, I don't own the property. Actually, in one of the um, apartment complexes that I manage, um, I uh, rent it, rent one of, with a partner. I rent one of the air, the units and we mm -hmm. Airbnb it in the apartment complex. And it's been really fun. So uh, back in August, we furnished it and um, did some updates to the apartment and we've been renting it out uh, since August and it's actually done really well, but it's kind of unique because we're, we're just paying rent. So the utilities are, are included with it. Oh, wow. That's and, nice. Um, yeah. So we just have the Airbnb in there and you know, there's a passcode on the door to get in. Um, we used to do the cleaning ourselves in the turnover and in December we actually hired someone uh, to do it for us. So it's very passive. Um, right now and it's been working out great. I really That's enjoy cool. it. That's cool. I mean, that, yeah. that also right there diversifies your portfolio a little bit of how you mm -hmm. want to do that. So I have one of my units in a duplex. I have Airbnb right now. And it's definitely cool because you have like, it, it's crazy. Some of the people I have coming from town, I had yeah. someone coming in this month from Germany for a laser tag tournament in Central <laughs> New York. Like, like who comes from Germany yeah. for a laser tag tournament? Like yeah, yeah. <laughs> you must be really good. <laughs> and uh, it's cool because I, I took an apartment that rents for a thousand dollars and I turned yeah. it into a 15 to $1,700 a month, you know, rental. Yeah, yes, there's, awesome. yes, you have to pay, you know, for cleaning right, or yet you yeah. have to furnish it, but you can write off all the furniture you purchased for that. And then when you're done, you have some furniture that you can either use in another unit 
or for, for staging it. a unit or, or yeah, or then you can go ahead and sell it. Yeah. Um, so like this month alone, there's, you know, 29 days in uh, February, I have 23 nights booked for wow, the whole month. Like, awesome. yeah, yeah, really some great. of them do great. And it's, it's nice because it's strategically kind of placed next to close to a university, um, an airport mm. and uh, a theater, a big theater. Yeah. So I have people already booked out almost every weekend in May for, for, you know, going to the college. I have next yeah, August oh, booked yeah. out for people dropping people off. The right, university. Kids, yeah. Yeah. And right before we hopped on this, I was just talking to someone. They were like, yeah, we're, we're coming for a concert. So then I got on the, uh, the venue event page and I was like, all right, yeah. what dates do they have nights right. and what nights am I going to raise the rent? So because yeah, exactly. people are booking six months in advance, you know, five months in advance. I want to get on yeah. top of that and get the most for it. Um, so you, you furnished it. So you didn't buy it furnished. I know some people, uh, rent units that are already furnished and they just, they do that same exact thing, yeah. which is super cool. Um, if you don't mind disclosing how much is the rent and like how much are you roughly bringing in per month with sure. Airbnb? Um, we pay seven twenty five a month and it's a, a two bedroom apartment. Um, and then in the complex, there's also a small fitness room, a library, um, like a community room with like a stove and big tables. If you wanted to have mm -hmm. like a people have baby showers and stuff in there. Um, so there are a couple amenities included, I guess. Um, nice. But it's in a, a town where um, there's a, a small little hotel and that's it. And everyone, nobody likes that hotel. Everyone complains <laughs> about it, everything. So we've had great success with people visiting family and um, coming to stay there. Uh, we had, a, there's also a hospital in the town and we had a traveling nurse come and stay. And, um, we've been averaging, um, our cash flow about $400 a month. Um, during the month of December, we did $800 uh, wow, cash okay. flow for the month. So that was really great. Um, and now that we've got more and more reviews and I just hit super host last yep, month. Congrats, uh, mine as yeah. well. When they did the reassessment, I got it too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so exciting. But, um, yeah. So I, hopefully we'll get um, more bookings. Um, we did, uh, increase our rent uh, like the minimum base a little bit. Do you use the Airbnb's, um, price? Not really just because yeah. what, what I do is I'll, I'll hop on Airbnb and I'll look in the neighborhood for like the comparables yeah. and I'll look at, it, I'll be like, all right, well, I, my, my building, you know, it's, or my unit, it sleeps more people. It has more beds. It's definitely in better condition. So I can get a little right. more, but, oh, it's not that nice. It doesn't sleep that many people. So I have to come down. Yeah. I mean, in the area, because it's, it's a lower class area, I mean, we average anywhere from 60 to $70 a night, which is that's incredible. what we're doing too. Okay. Yeah. yeah so you're yeah. right. Our markets are very similar because for those yeah. that are listening, we're about three hours apart. I'd say between Syracuse yeah. and Buffalo. Yeah. Um, what do you charge for cleaning fee? Um, we're paying right now $35. So we charge 50 and we pay our cleaner 35, but we supply the cleaning supplies. So. Okay. We, uh, we do 65 actually. We, oh, yeah. we're pretty high, pretty high on it. And then we, uh, my fiance and I, we typically turn it ourselves. Mm -hmm. Um, so we get, get to kind of keep that as income, which definitely, right. oh, um, yeah. um, helps with that. So I think that's so cool that I was able to turn, you know, a thousand dollar apartment into yeah. a fifteen seventeen hundred dollar a month apartment, which is great. Um, so I think that's, and have awesome. you found too that, um, how long have you had it since I want to say August or September? Yeah. So about the same as me, do you feel mm -hmm. like the, the apartment has been maintained better because there's only people in there for short times instead of like having a long-term tenant right. where there's more wear and tear? 
I definitely feel like it's it's definitely held its own much longer. Yeah. Um, people know their account, their reviews are on the line at stake, right. so they they keep it. I mean, some people have left it almost clearer than we you know we had it sometimes. Yeah. And I haven't really had any problem tenants. I had like one person who um, there was just they they scratched up one of the uh, one of the dressers in the bedroom mm-hmm. and it was a, a dresser that I actually, my childhood I had in my bedroom and my, <laughs> yeah. my fiance, she's like, put it in there. She's like, she painted the whole thing. She put on right. new uh, knobs. Yeah. So she made it look really nice. Yeah. Like when she went into the clean it, she like texted me a frowny face. It's like, what's wrong? She sent me a picture of it. She's like, you just did this. <laughs> and so um, I messaged the person. I was like, Hey, you know, and he's like, I'm so sorry about that. You know, he, yeah. he sent me money right now. He's like, please go ahead, get it repainted, get it refinished. I'm so yeah. sorry. So people are fairly respectful about it for the most part, and it, it stays fairly clean. I mean, it seems to be the guys that are in there are, are more sloppy. The girls that always say, she's like, if it's a guy, I don't, I don't want him staying here. If it's a girl, you can improve <laughs> it on, automatically. And uh, but, but for you, I'm assuming the same thing. Yeah, we've had great luck. Um, the one time it like reeked of alcohol, but it was like super yeah. clean, but it smells like just like they dumped beer in there. Yeah, we had that New Year's <laughs> and, Eve. You know, air it out a little bit. And then um, the last person we had in there, actually, he messaged me and said, I am so sorry. I left a 30 pack on the, the patio. I'm so <laughs> sorry. I didn't take it with me. Yeah, I mean, but typically when, when people leave drinks, I just shove it all in the fridge and make it right, look really neat. Right, save it for the next person, yeah. Yeah, and I'm just like, help yourself to anything that's in there. We had like a, like an Asian group and they had like all these funky Asian sodas. I put them in there and I, next week they're all gone. Like someone yeah. drank all of them. So I was like, perfect, like enjoy it. Um, so that's cool that you also do a little bit of that. I, I feel like our portfolios and kind of where we're positioned are also yeah, very similar. Yeah. So a program I see you that you like live and die by, you always talk about it. You say you love it is Buildium. Yeah. Uh, so, and actually it's that. kind of sad because I'm not managing anymore, so I don't need it. But the property management company I hired, they use it. So I'll okay. still get the owner's side of it. That's cool. I guess. So talk to me about all of the things that you're able to do on it and fees that it costs to uh, use that actual program. Okay, so they have a, a base fee of, I think it's $40. It might have gone up to $50. Um, so if you only have a couple uh, units, it's it's not worth it to pay $50 a month um, to have this. I would recommend cozy.co for, you know, if you have less than 10 yep. units um, and it's free. But uh, Buildium, you have a, an app for your tenants where they can pay rent online. They can submit their maintenance request online. You can share files with them uh, through the app if they want a copy of their lease. Um, if you want to send out a, a newsletter or a message to all of the tenants, you can do that through the app. You can send it to one specific tenant. Um, and then it also incorporates your bookkeeping. So if you get, um, so like, uh, for a property management software that doesn't have um, the bookkeeping inside. So like, say your tenant pays online, well then you see that payment come in and then you go to your QuickBooks or Excel sheet and you type in this person paid, I have this right income for the month. Well, with Buildium, when that person pays, they automatically make that bookkeeping entry for you. And it's oh, okay. in so you don't have to do that. And then um, you can also for your expenses, your payables, you can also uh, set those up every month. So like all your mortgages are, the same every month. So you can right. just set it to automatically enter that every single month and then have it pulled directly out of your bank account. So okay. it's a huge time saver. And then I just love that it makes uh, property management remote. Um, so, you know, I could be anywhere, look on my phone and 
take care of something, look something up. Um, yeah, you I, could probably really pull up leases on the run, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed uh, that aspect of it. And then they have just, um, you know, a lot of educational, um, like little courses you can take, uh, you know, online reading forums. And then um, they have um, just a lot of ways to customize it. So if you want your late fee to be this for this property, but this for another property, okay, so we can customize that. And um, it just makes a lot of things automatic and puts a lot of systems in place. That's cool. It sounds very well-rounded. Like there's a lot of things you can do with it. Yeah, um, yeah. Is when people are paying their rent on there, which is super cool that they can do that right there. You're not running around collecting cash or people aren't running yeah. to the bank, put it in your account. Um, is there a fee that Billium charges? Um, they do, but only if you pay by um, credit card. And it actually, you can set it up. You can customize it in there. Do you want to accrue that fee? Or, or do you want to pass it through? Resident? So I always did the resident accrue that of fee. I didn't want that taken out of my money. <laughs> right. But, um, yeah, but no, there's no fee for that. And then, um, like, if you did um, a, a payable, like a, a bill pay out of there, there'd be a fee for that. Um, but I would just do it directly from my bank account because that was free. But right. it's still automatically set the transaction in there every month. So like can the tenant hook up their like bank account so they can just transfer that way without a fee? Is that like a way they can do it? Yep. So they could do auto pay. So just every month. Uh, I was just going to ask. Okay. Yeah. The rent so, would be automatically taken out of their bank account or they could manually go in and do it every month. Yeah. I think requiring on some properties to have auto pay is huge because mm -hmm. you do have tenants that sometimes they have the money and they will literally go choose to buy the 70 inch TV on Black yeah. Friday instead <laughs> yeah. of giving you the, you know, the rent for right, December right. 1st. So where it's, when it's automatic pay, it automatically is just going to come out of their account. Yeah. So you get first dibs and on the first of the month, you know, right, right. So you that, would think people cool. would want to pay their housing costs first, but yeah, not, where, where they're living, where all their stuff is. Yeah. <laughs> Blow, blows my mind sometimes with tenants, yeah. but that, that's for another day. Um, can you screen tenants on there or, or are you not able to screen yep. a building? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, you, so if I was to show a property, I can send them a link to an online application. They'd fill out the application and then um, I could do their tenant screening, the background check, credit check right from there. And then um, it automatically pulls, if you approve them, it pulls all their information into the software and you just click move in and they're, they're set as the tenant for that property. Oh, so that seems really easy. I think yeah. that's definitely something I got to switch over to because it just seems like it, it, all the stuff I see you post on Instagram about it, all right. the things I yeah. read on it, it when like people are comparing property management softwares, that one's definitely one that trumps a lot of them. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I, I'm pretty old school. I do like spreadsheets for everything. <laughs> and like I have binders on my bookshelf of like right. three inches thick of every single paperwork that goes with each property. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's good to have hard copies in case I ever had an issue or the cloud right. crashed or anything. Yeah. Um, so so I, I scan everything and I do it paperless, but I save everything to a OneDrive. And then I also saved it into the property management software. Yeah, so that's smart. You always want to have a backup. Places, yeah. Um, does, how much is the charge for the tenant background check? Cause for those of you that aren't aware, in New York, now you can't charge more than $20 for a background and credit check. And typically only one of those is, is $20, you know, to do the other one, it's additional. So how, how much is that on Buildium? It is $30, um, but it's charged directly to the tenant. Um, so it's not actually me, the owner, the landlord charging them. Um, so I don't, oh. that's, yeah. So that's okay. kind of a way around it, I guess, um, is that they're charging the tenant directly and the tenant goes in and pays that. Um, 
because really? I think I the law does, I'm not, I'm not 100% sure, but I think the law says something like, you know, the, the greater of $20 or whatever it costs to do it. Okay. I think I'm not, I'm not yeah, it's a gray area that. right now. It's still new <laughs> to us. It's not even a year old. Yeah. Because I mean, a lot of the, you can't really screen a tenant for $20. That's nothing. That's like right, very right, preliminary. Yeah. Like, yeah, their credit score is anywhere from 400 to 700. You'll just have to guess what the score. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Now that's a good way around it because I know cozy is like $35, but that's technically passing it through to the tenant. You're not charging it. Right. Right. Yeah. I, and it's not, and that's like the actual cost. It's not like you're charging them a fee to the review, you know, the right. Just literally like to that. spend time looking at it. A, a profit. Yeah. And I think that's what the law was designed for. Honestly, right. is they didn't want people, you know, doing it for $20 and then pocketing the additional 10 or $20 that it is. Mm-hmm. And again, for those of you that aren't aware in New York state, we just had some very aggressive changes made to the tenant landlord laws. It's very tenant favored. uh, No question asked there. Have you uh, seen any difficulties or anything that you've had to deal with on your end with those new laws? Yeah. So I recently did an eviction. It was my first one from like start to finish where the people actually, the cops showed up, did the lockout and the people didn't even have anything packed and were like, Oh, I thought we had more weeks. (laughs) So it was a very long process um, to actually get them out because it was for a holdover. So I had um, terminated their month-to-month lease and they decided not to move out. So then I had to take them to eviction court. And just in small towns in this area, they only have court once or twice a month. So it it takes a long time to get a court date. And then after that, they have two weeks after the the judge signs the petition and it's served to them to get out of the house and if they don't that's when the sheriffs come and you know remove them from the premises well right and do the lockout i imagine yeah so it's just a lot of time and money wasted doing that and now you have to wait since they weren't ready to move out i had to meet them um to get some stuff out while they showed up with a little car and 10 minutes before i told them i would have to leave they showed up with a van and trailer, but there's still so much stuff in the house and I haven't heard from them again if they're getting anything else. But I have to hold the property for right, 30 if- days before I can get rid of it and I can't make a profit off it. I have to throw it out or donate it. Yeah, that's... So, yeah. But it's I, really I, tough. I've had a couple of people recommend to me just hire movers, get a U-Haul, you know, pay 300 bucks or whatever, and just put, throw it into a storage unit and get it out of the house. So you can at least update it and rent it back out. So I right, think that's Cause the law says you have tomorrow. to hold it, their belongings for X amount of time. Yeah, and, yeah. and it just stinks because I think that, you know, the state's hurting themselves because guess who pays the property taxes, you know, guess right, who right. puts in fairly quality, you know, housing for these people. Yeah, Um, I'm sure down the road we'll see an adjustment to these, or so it won't be so severe. But for the time being, we're we're stuck with it. (laughs) Yeah, and I think it does hurt the tenants too because people are going to be screening a lot harder. And Mm -hmm. you know, usually you used to be able to, you know, if you had bad bad credit or judgment against you or something, you could ask for an additional security deposit, but you can't even do that. Right, it's just one month's rent now. Right, and. uh, Luckily, like with one property I closed on, I inherited these tenants. Inherited tenants are the worst. Um, yeah, this is so, an inherited tenant eviction. <laughs> yeah, and basically. And uh, so the security deposit was from before the landlord laws, so it was like a month and a half. Yeah. And luckily, that a month and a half was exactly how much I needed to 
cover the rent, turn the unit. And so like, I can't do that now. Now I'd be out $500 where, uh, you know, before I wouldn't. So hopefully we'll see an adjustment in that. Talk to me about your first deal. How did that look when you were getting involved? Was it, what type of property was it and how'd that all go? How'd you do the funding, the financing, everything? So it was um, a duplex and I didn't have any money. So I found a money partner and he was all on board. His dad was an investor. And so this would be his first property too. And um, the first property I looked at, um, I said, I want to buy it. Come look at it. And he (laughs) came and um, we put in an all cash offer. Uh, We renovated one unit by just doing new kitchen cabinets, um, some updates to the bathroom and new flooring in the kitchen. And um, we rented it out and everything was great. And we ended up refinancing and getting, um, using that refinance money, a cash out refi to buy a second property. So he still held the mortgage on the first and we used that cash out refi to buy the second property. Then we refied that bought another property. Is that person, that individual, your partner still today? Are you guys still doing projects together? Yep. Okay. So that's cool. So you guys Yeah. He's 100% passive. Um, He has no involvement at all. He probably doesn't even know where all the properties are, but he, um, (laughs) where his money is. (laughs) Yeah. So he has, um, our structure is we're 50, 50 equity partners, but he receives a principal and interest payment for the money he has put into our LLC that we have together to purchase that first property. Okay. So um, he gets a a monthly payment for that every month, which is kind of nice. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely a nice way to structure when a lot of people, you know, you read on the bigger pocket forums, you have people always asking, you know, what do I do to get started? How do I get started? Mm -hmm. It's like, learn everything you can. Then if you don't have any money, go find someone who does, and right. make it an aggressive partnership with them. Something that, you know, make a deal so good that they can't turn it down, but you also can't turn it down. And yeah. it helps everyone. Like, like look at that for yourself. You guys have now done multiple projects. Your your partners, you've built relationships, and I'm sure the terms are pretty sweet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you know what? For me, I I could have gotten started without him, but I probably wouldn't have started out with him because I trusted him so much. We had a good working relationship. And, you know, I... I don't know if I would have gone after anyone else for, you know, their money <laughs> to right, be my yeah. partner because I was comfortable with him. And I knew that, um, he also trusted me too, which is a big deal. It's super important. I, yeah. I think it would have been a lot harder knowing that this person was uneasy, you know, not sure if they trusted me for, and it would have kind of hurt my self-confidence that I could find a good deal and manage a property correctly. So most definitely that's, that's awesome. What is the long-term goal that you're looking to go after? Or is there really not, you know, a set in stone long-term goal you're going for? Um, not really long-term. I'm looking more at like a year, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. Um, but really it would, it would be long-term would be to give my husband the option um, to retire. So he's a dairy farmer. Um, he tells me every day he's never going to retire, but I would at least <laughs> like, <wrong. laughs> yeah. So, um, we no longer rely on my income, so I, I could retire <laughs> if I wanted to. Um, go. I'm still working part-time for that investor doing the special projects, but, um, it, my goal would be for my husband to be able to, too. So, um, hopefully in a, you know, one or two years that would, that would actually be possible. 
Yeah. And I really, I like those goals much better than someone that's like, Oh, you know, I want enough property so I can pay for Lamborghini, you know, the house to pay for, you know, <laughs> yeah. I, when people always ask me, it's just like, I just want to stop working. You know, I want to yeah. be able to spend time, you know, I'm, I'm getting married next month. So I want to spend time with my fiance, then build a family yeah. and be there all the time, which is pretty cool. So what would you say is probably one of the biggest hurdles you had to overcome throughout this entire investing journey? Was there anything that really, you know, set in stone with you that you learned from or something that really just put the brakes on for you? Um, well, definitely with managing tenants. Um, there were some days, especially when I was managing the, the 80 unit apartment complexes, I cried a lot <laughs> <laughs> just with, um, you know, people you, as a property manager, you get a, a lot of complaining, especially when you're, you know, so by last year, this, this past year, I was managing those 80 units, um, about 12 commercial units and 32, um, you know, my 32 units too. Right. So that's just a lot of people and, you know, things go wrong. Um, tenants always, and, <laughs> yes. But like when I first started out, it, it was really hard on me to get used to hearing all the negativity all the time. And, for people expecting me to, you know, do magic with, you know, something that was broken, like, well, yeah, I need you to come fix this right now, even if it wasn't, you know, an emergency. And not that I would mm -hmm. personally fix things, but I would, you know, find the person right. to go out there. And I had to build um, this property management company and these systems from scratch. When the day I started, I still remember it. I was laying in bed and um, I had gotten for the, the work phone, uh, a cell phone so that I could carry it around with me. And um, it rang at 7am and I wasn't even out of bed yet. And um, it was a guy, his outlet wasn't working. And I go to my husband, I'm like, I, I don't even have a maintenance person hired yet. I, I don't right, know yeah. what to do. I'm like, can you please come with me? <laughs> and that was like the only maintenance call he's ever had to do. But he came with me and we like, he, you know, fix their outlet real quick or whatever. But, um, so that was, it was, she didn't stressful. have the light switch on to turn it on. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The breaker is just, awesome. yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, um, it was a uh, but I, I wouldn't do it different because it was a learning experience because then I built myself a property management company to manage my rentals and, um, put systems in place. And, and, um, the investor I worked for, I hired his daughter to work with me and she started doing all the leasing and it was like great to not have to worry about that side of things anymore. Right. You but, focus um, on certain sections. Yeah. But when I was doing it myself and really learning things and before I even had the property management software, um, it was hard and my cut, my kids were really young then. Um, so, but yeah, yeah. It, it was tough. Um, learning how to property manage without having someone teach me learning it by myself, but it was a great way to do it. I definitely learned a lot. And yeah, I mean, it definitely is like I, I host a meetup here locally and I have a lot of people, you know, a large percentage of that is people, you know, looking to get started, looking to invest. And like, mm -hmm. you know, I always tell them, you know, you need to get educated, you need to read books, you need to be on forums, mm -hmm. you need to listen to podcasts, you know, because again, and I, you'll hear me say it on every podcast, education is, is powerful. Yeah. And but I, what I also tell them is, you, you need to jump in the water so you can learn how to swim. And a majority of these things you're going to learn in this business is from owning property and learning. So that means you do buy a single family, rent out the, you know, individual bedrooms so that, you know, live in there and rent out the individual bedrooms to, right, you know, practice right. being a landlord or, or buy a duplex and live in one side, rent out the other, the house hack, or whether that's just starting with a duplex and renting out both sides. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
the amount you're going to learn in those first two months, <laughs> you can't read in a book. You know, you, you just can't. Yeah. Speaking of books, do you have any favorites any you, you, that you really just loved? You, you go back, you reference, things like that. Yeah. And surprisingly, I really don't love any uh, real estate specific books, um, but I love personal finance books like okay. um, The Automatic Millionaire, um, The Simple Path to Wealth, and The Index Card. Those are three of my favorite uh, personal finance books. Okay. You read those a few times or just kind of go back and reference them? Um, go back and reference them because I really only got into personal finance probably about two, three years ago. Um, and I love just reading new books. So, yeah, I probably about a little more than a year ago, I hated reading. You just, you, you couldn't make me do it. Yeah. You, you go about a gun to my head and I'd be like, all right, let's just, you know, get it over <laughs> with, you know, but like now I just, I, I love reading. I, yeah. you know, I went through probably 30 books this last year and I was just like, I didn't wow. know it was possible. I didn't know I'd do 30 books in my life and I right, just did, you know, right, let alone yeah. in a year, but it's amazing. So what made that it. change? I, I'm curious. It, it was really just a topic that I was interested in. It was something yeah. that, you, you know, I, yeah. I knew it benefited me in a few ways because it wasn't just, you know, a story I was reading for pleasure or, you know, some history, right, something yeah. that I was able to actually relate to, mm-hmm. apply. And also knowing a lot of the authors, authors from the books I read is super cool because yeah. it gives me a way to relate more. Uh, right. Brian Murray, for example, you know, he, he lives 45 minutes away and he's got a phenomenal book. So it's cool. Cause I can yeah. relate. I could say, Oh, I know exactly where he's talking about. He puts pictures in there. I'm like, I know that building, you know, yeah. I know exactly where that is. <laughs> and and I think that's huge because I also don't like being told what to do. So like when you, <laughs> when I'm in school and they tell you, you know, read this history book or right, read right. this tonight or read chapter X, Y, Z, it made me not want to do it even more, yeah. but yeah. being my, you know, for myself, I'm like, I want to read this. And it's very satisfying watching you know, the bookshelf in my office fill up. I know. And say, right, you know yeah. <laughs> I read that one. I read that one. And then you talk to other people like, Oh, you read it. It's like, yeah, I read it twice. You know? Yeah. <laughs> so, or what about when someone like asks you to recommend a book? Like I have a friend that's going to Arizona next week. He's like, do you have a personal finance book I can borrow for the plane? I'm like, Oh my God. It's like, I have 20. How do I decide which one to give you? We can talk about it when you get back. <laughs> exactly. It's super exciting. It's like, Oh, we can start a book club on these books yeah. too. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, my my fiance, she's not. She had no background in real estate, no realization type person. She is. She lived in yeah. Africa for four months, working at a you know an orphanage. Right. Not real estate related or money related yeah. at all. Then I'm starting to give her my books, and she's starting like she read one in like three days. I'm like, yeah. That's impressive. She's like starting to catch on, <laughs> yeah. which is pretty cool. So yeah, books great, awesome recommendations. Do you have any advice to someone who's you know looking to get started or someone who? It is already involved, but looking to go deeper or scale quicker, what advice do you have for them? And don't say yeah. educate yourself because everyone says that I need something <laughs> different. <laughs> well, I would just say, um, is if you're looking to get started is, um, yeah, you're educating yourself, but get paid to do it. There we go. Okay. Yeah. Adam, that second part. <laughs> yeah. So get, find a job, you know, be a leasing agent on the weekends. Like everyone wants to look for apartments on the weekends or at nights when they're not mm-hmm. working, you know, be a leasing agent and you'll get to access to the property management lease agreements. You'll get to see what people want in an apartment. You'll get to see what they don't like. You'll get to see what apartments in the area look like. Um, Or be a maintenance tech. I met a police officer the other day who during college, he was a maintenance tech for an investor. And every morning he'd get in, you know, an email or whatever with his um, work orders. And he would schedule them throughout the day whenever he didn't have classes. So he'd do right, a couple morning, go. go to class, do another one, go to class, and then do some more at night. Um, 
so I thought that was that was really great and also he said he learned how to be handy and then, mm-hmm. um but I you know even being a realtor or getting your insurance license um mm-hmm. I think that if Just you learning don't different have assets yeah yeah if you um don't have the luxury of you know throwing a 20 percent down payment in a property and starting today then you might as well start you know getting paid and using that side hustle money um to save for that 20 percent down payment or that fha loan or right. know, something like that yeah and then if you're already um going and you already you know you're looking to grow get your next deal i would say take on a partner um, what is it you need to grow to take on that next deal? Um, you'd be surprised yeah. at, you know, how you, whatever you're missing and, you know, the most common answer is money, how you'll be able to find, um, that or ask for uh, seller financing. Um, that's how yeah. I did one of my big deals was, um, seller financing. He held the mortgage for a year. I paid him interest only, um, at 7%. And, um, then I added some value, rented out the property and refinanced it and paid them back within a year. So, yeah, no, that's some really good advice. So just to recap again, for those listening, um, you said to educate yourself, but you made up for it. You said, get paid, get educated, (laughs) which is huge, you know, working as an insurance agent, a real estate agent. Yeah. So not even get educated, but get experience and get paid for it. Yeah. Hands-on stuff. Again, stuff you can't learn by reading a book or listening to a podcast you physically have to do and apply. I think that's really good. And even a partnership, find someone possibly that fills a gap that you can't fill. Mm-hmm. You guys kind of complement each other or something that will, will strengthen you guys as one. So I think that's, that's some really good advice. I like that. Uh, that's good. <laughs> Where can people connect with you, learn more about you and uh, listen to you in the future on future podcasts? Yeah. <laughs> so um, you can find me on Instagram at wealth from rentals. That is the place I'm on most. Um, I'm also sometimes in the bigger pockets forums, but I do check my inbox there. Um, but also I'm starting a new po- podcast with bigger pockets. I am the co-host of the new bigger pockets, real estate rookie podcast. So it's gonna be a, yeah, I'm so excited. Um, and it will, um, be released on Wednesdays, uh, through BP starting in March. So um, we're really excited, but it's going to focus on um, beginners and how to get started. And, you know, we're going to talk to people who just did their first deal and how they did it and how they want to grow and should be a lot of fun. That's, that's awesome. I'm sure you're looking forward to that. Let me tell you, bigger pockets is like ruling the real estate world. They, they're just getting in every facet. They're doing it right though. They're doing it honestly. And they've got great content. They're possibly coming out. I had again here last week who's writing a book for bigger pockets on self-storage so um, they're oh, just expanding yeah. you know they're yeah. in different realms do you know who that is is it aj no, no uh, aj he's doing his own but uh, another oh. guy named paul aj's awesome though he's super nice he was the yeah. first guy i actually had on the podcast he's oh really but yeah because he does self-storage too right he's doing the mas- oh, he's self-storage huge mastermind that. yeah 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 he, he's he's very very nice guy and he does a lot so Awesome. But thank you so much for being on the show, Ashley. I really, really appreciate your time taking the time this evening to hop on with us. And to everyone else, thank you so much for listening in and we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. We hope you took something away from today's episode. For more information, you can find us on Instagram at Dante Belmonte. See you next time.